Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. What? This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Well, we're finally here. Yes, we are. We have finally made it to Super Bowl Sunday, and it's a it's a bittersweet day. It is a great day for football and food and friends and beer and all sorts of things that you like to do. It also means it's the last day it of is the football the final season. Day. It is the final day of the football season. And as I uh, said to Jesse before the show, your summer-long depression begins as his favorite sport ends today. Yeah, sorry, Jesse. <laughs> Now's a great time to like dive into like synchronized swimming, synchronized or, swimming, you know, or something like that. You know, you know, <laughs> something that's fun for you to watch. I feel like Jesse would have fun watching synchronized swimming. You're, you're a polo player, so it might be yeah, fun not for you. synchronized swimming. I do like watching, you know, swimming in general. Uh, like the Winter Olympics is coming here this month, right? It's going to be, it's coming up here and I enjoy speed skating. I think speed skating is really fun. I think downhill skiing, like uh, really fun. So there are some fun events in the Winter Olympics, but no, it, there's, I mean, I'll, I'll latch on to some basketball. There you go. We got, we're into the, the good time of the basketball season. We're into the, we should start paying attention now time because it's after Christmas. We're into February there's all sorts of drama. Uh, the Cavs hate Kevin Love, and they blame him for everything, including breaking his hand. And the Cavs lose by like 30 points and then say they should never be on national TV again. So, you know, there's there's LeBron drama. There's the typical LeBron drama. And, uh, yeah, so the NBA is a good sport to switch to. Like I'm, I am not like Jesse in that sense where uh, I, I love football above all else. Actually, I'm a baseball man, so to me – this is we're getting into giddy times because pitchers and catchers start in like are three weeks. <laughs> oh, break out the you know break out the Hennessy, man. Don't, that <laughs> that Hennessy is not what I would consider Hennessy a baseball. Hennessy the milds, drink. man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like my man Shannon Sharp be on those Hennessy and those milds, especially for baseball season because pitchers and catchers are reporting. No, I mean I'm I'm excited to kind of dive into hoop season. It's, and then it's, college hoops too. Uh, not not so much college hoops, you know. <laughs> it's just it's just too many teams and too many people, and then you don't really get a chance to really get invested in the team because the guy that you end up liking shakes in in this first year. So, at least in twenty twenty, the XFL will be starting right, and that'll give us oh, more God. football. No, I don't care. Vince McMahon's <laughs> going to do it right this time. You watch. I don't 
Yeah. Everyone was so giddy about that. And I'm not a wrestling person. It's not wrestling. It's not Well, I know, but I'm not a wrestling person, so I don't care what Vince McMahon does. I never have. And I never watched the original XFL. I don't. I don't care. I just didn't care. It was like this isn't real football. It was like, real. It was real football. It was funny, but it wasn't. It, this. It wasn't the. It NFL. was just hokey. That was the whole thing. It about wasn't. It. And that's NFL. why. And that's why it didn't work. They tried to bring that WWF attitude, kind of persona to football and just real football. People weren't really having it. But I think now, just knowing what they know and knowing. I mean, say what you will. I mean, as far as far as entertainment goes, like WWE is one of the biggest platforms that you'll find in any type of sport. You know, now, so I gotta say this: the WWE to me, I don't get it. The fandom it has, and I know Rashad, you're a huge wrestling fan, nerd, love it, and I just I don't I don't understand it because I, I have, I'm on a little group text with my fantasy football league on my phone, and I opened my phone one day to 58 messages in my group me chat. And I went, oh, God, what happened in the league? What are they arguing about? I open it. It's three of the 12 members nerding out over something about wrestling. And I'm like, I don't I don't get it. I don't get It's not real. It's okay. And there's some people that don't get, shoot, football. You know? There's I know. some people that don't get comic books. But they were or- talking about, like, betting lines on a fake sport. It's It's predetermined. I mean, how can you is, bet you know, on something like that? Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just it's I, I I understand how people could, you know, feel that way about the XFL because it, you know, it it's does tied. have it is tied to, to wrestling. But I look at it as football and it sucks because there's really no other avenue for it. Like in basketball, after I'm done in college, man, I can go play overseas, I can play in China, I can play wherever, really wherever I want to. I can play in Mexico, whatever the case is. Man, to golf, I don't have to go to any specific school. I can join the tour or try to get on the tour and still make money as I'm doing it. For football, there's where do you go? You go to Canada, maybe? Like, I mean, there's there's nothing for yeah. you to do. So there's a lot of guys. You could have gone to the arena league. I tell suppose. me you wouldn't like to see what, gone, what, what Johnny Manziel could do on the next level. But he can't. You know, he can't play don't. in the XFL. Why not? Because there's a rule that said nobody who has any sort of arrest record on their uh, on their name can play in the XFL this year. Details. Details. Johnny Manziel's been arrested. <laughs> Details. That <laughs> They'll find ways to get stars like Johnny Manziel. You think, listen, Vince McMahon is used to dealing with guys no, that get popped for steroids. No, but he said it. He so, said it specifically in his press conference that that is not going to be allowed. We'll see I, how long Anyone with takes. any sort of criminal record cannot be in the XFL. We'll see how long that takes. I, but but I mean, we're talking about, so 2020, right? I mean, XFL 2020. Johnny Manziel by then is going to be so far out of football. It's going to be years out of football. He's, he's not going to be a name worth bringing back in at that point. There are going to be other college athletes that were amazing in college, aren't quite good enough or just aren't going to get a shot in the NFL. And those are going to be the new guys. And those are good because I, there's plenty of talent out there. If you're going to tell me, you're going to go say, Hey, we're going to go and get all the best leftovers from, from the NFL. Like, that's basically making a, a college all-star team or several go. college and all-star teams. And I, you know what? I'm willing to watch that. And just to say some of those guys, man, can't get better. We see lots of stories about guys that join NFL training camps like four years removed from college just because they've been training and working out, just waiting for their opportunity, and then they got it. So it's not to say that there's tons of guys from the XFL that made a name for themselves in the NFL, returning punts and being parts of special teams and even being actual you know, key cogs in some 
okay squad. So, I mean, there's there, it, it can happen. I'm just glad to see that there's going to be uh, – Another alternative, and I think after failing the first time for Vince McMahon, who's a con- uh, a control freak, I-, I think this one could be actually kind of okay. Well, so won't be the NFL, but it, it'll, it, be, it'll give us something to watch. I'm not particularly, I shouldn't say passionate. I, I'm not. I don't find myself neutral about a lot of things. Like I either like care or just don't care, right? And I, I that's just the XFL like slash Rob. wrestling to me. You're like Rob. I just can't. I don't care. I'm sorry. Rob will let you know quickly. Yeah, I'm really. Mm. Yeah, that's doesn't, not interesting. Doesn't move me. Doesn't no. not. Yeah, don't so, care. XFL to me doesn't move me. Um, sorry. <laughs> just, that's okay. It's just my opinion, man. That's <laughs> it's okay. just like my opinion. Man, man, do you think they'll bring in a guy like Michael Sam? We just got that on the on the text line. Hey, man, well, they like might. I said, there's if tons he still of guys wants to that play. can play that just aren't playing. You mean it's isn't he in the CFL right now? Didn't he get a deal with the CFL team? He's probably, yeah. I mean, you, you, the CFL is right now what, I mean, the XFL would be taking all the guys that the CFL takes because they're uh, like Trent Richardson right now is playing in the CFL. And actually the first game back, he was a monster now. And see, so that's the thing. Like proves the difference between the leagues. That does prove the difference, but that's the mat. That's the thing though. At at that level, like you're going to get right at the XFL. You're not going to have all the guys that made the NFL, which are the biggest factors is strongest, right? So it will be a more even playing field. So the Trent Richardson plays that you saw in college but you didn't see at the pro level, maybe you will see those XFL levels because there is a little bit of a dip there. So And Vernon there, Adams is in the CFL or at least was for a while. Yeah, so you're going to there's there's going to be talent there. It's just so it's it's you, like watching Remember, uh, does anybody remember the U.S.? I mean, you guys. I mean, Jesse, the USFL. I remember you know? it. Yeah. So I mean, it failed it, miserably. It, <laughs> I mean, it did, but you you got some guys it lasted that, for like two years. But you got some that. guys like man, like Doug Flutie that played in the USFL, and you know, what I mean, you you had some, and he's in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, is pro he, football. It's a pro football thing, I mean, right? So, I, well, I mean, he's definitely in the college football. Yeah, Hall he's got to be in the college Hall of Fame. I don't know about pro football, but. Look that up. I'm not sure. Because he played in the CFL. He played in Flutie the USFL. Was everywhere. Flutie played everywhere. I mean, but it's it's just one of those things where if you do it right and you get some good coaches in there, like, you just think about how many undrafted free agents in the NFL, like, have become really good players, if not one of the best at their position. You think how many guys just never even got the chance to be an undrafted so free agent? I just found There's some, so much talent out there. I just found some dudes to play in the USFL that went to the NFL. Just to show that, man, guys from the other league can go. Marcus Dupree, Mike Rozier, Reggie White, Jim Kelly, Steve Young, Doug Williams. Man, USFL. You know what I mean? Like, man, I see Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Reggie White. Like that Reggie White? That's what it says. Did he start his career there or did he end his career there? Who knows? <laughs> I don't think he started his career there. Probably not, but he still played there. Well, I mean, it was the the, the league was only from eighty three to eighty five. Mm. Uh-huh. 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 Maybe he did start his career then. So, I'm trying to remember when he started. I don't know. I don't know. Um anyway, so yeah, XFL, that starts in twenty twenty. And that'll be that'll be football in the offseason that you could watch once this ends. Um, but we did get this text. I watched some XFL, it was sloppy college ball. I'm not saying this is great or awful, but nobody lines up to watch minor league baseball or the G League on TV. That is true. So we'll see what happens. But it is football in the offseason, right? So that might be a little bit different yeah, than watch some. baseball you'll, and NBA. You'll definitely watch the G I mean, because we definitely watched like and one and all those little Rucker Park things in the summer when there was no basketball in the fall. So I did I think you I did, man. You didn't did you watch any of that stuff, Jesse? No, but I mean, and I, one was corny, but at least the little record ball in the record league that they had, that was at least really fun. And so, but that'll be kind of like off season football to watch, which yeah. might, which might work. But, yeah. um, 
We've got still some uh, in-season football or in-postseason football to talk about today. Woo. We're on till 11. Super Bowl is not till 3.30, but we will break down everything that we can about this game. But we'll also talk about some other stuff. The Hall of Fame class was announced yesterday. It is quite good. Quite good. Rashad says the best. Uh, we also have some other notes. That, as you heard in Jesse's update there, there's the Kirk Cousins franchise tag situation that hap- it's happening, which is really strange. Uh, Ryan Shazier is walking again, which is really positive. So we'll talk about that. Also want to get into some Super Bowl prop bets. And, of course, we got hit or love it at 1030. So lots of Super Bowl talk. A couple of other NFL things, and then we'll make our predictions in the 10 o'clock hour as well. But next, let's just start talking about the game. Let's just dive into some of the ins and outs about what we're going to see today and what you think is going to be important in today's game. That is next here on Football Sunday on the Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Woo! Patriots, Rashad's team, although he doesn't America's appear too stressed. Team. America's no, team. No, that would be the Cowboys. And it even would not be not the true. Cowboys. No. It's America's team. No, it's You not. guys get used to it. Dude, no, no. I don't know anybody that would claim that as America's team. No, the only people who America's claim that team. are really, 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 really biased Patriots fans. America's yeah. team. No, uh, not even America's close, team bro. is the Cowboys. America, the Cowboys and I'm not a America's Cowboys team, fan, but they are America's. It was team. America's team when there were ten teams in the NFL, and they haven't stopped. Um, and everybody hates the Patriots, except for yeah. Patriots fans. So, although a lot of people hate the Eagles That's too, like, I am very curious to see what people are going to be rooting for today because the Patriots are probably the most hated team in the NFL, but the Eagles probably, are not. Probably. Not, well, the Cowboys are pretty hated, too. No, it's the Patriots. People still have some love for the Cowboys. When they did well, it's kind of like, okay, damn, Cowboys are good again. That's good for the league. Okay, okay fine. The Patriots are the most hated team in football. There you go. And the Eagles have probably the most hated fans in football. And I don't – everyone I've talked to has been like, I don't care. Just give me a good game. Like, I hate both teams. You know, they're they're miserable with this matchup unless you're a fan of the, of the two teams. Um, so I'm really interested to see who's going to be rooting for what. I just hope we get a good game. Like, we've gotten really lucky with Super Bowls recently uh, where we've had mostly good games. The past two, at least, for sure. Well, in in general, if you think about it, the the Broncos-Seahawks one was a bad game. And then you have to go back to the Colts-Bears one, which was a bad game. But beyond that, the Super Bowls have all been pretty interesting. Even Broncos-Panthers, which was pretty defensive heavy, was still pretty close going into the fourth quarter of that game. And So, I mean, it wasn't like a bad football game. So I, we've been pretty lucky lately, and I'm hoping that that trend continues today. If you look at the Patriots Super Bowls and their Super, well, really all of them, but their Super Bowl wins, they've all been really close. All of them, all of them have been three, four point games. So the most is is uh, six points. Twenty six twenty, right? Was that? Uh, and that was, I think, against the. Hold on, I want to say it was the Seahawks. Well, no, it was the. Uh, um, it was. Excuse me, last year was Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. And they, they came back and won by six. Yeah. yeah. They're all really close games. 34 28. Um, so that is A, a good good thing to look at in terms of it being a close game. B, this stat, I don't know if you guys saw this stat. It absolutely blew my mind. This the this uh when when it was brought up this week. In all of their Super Bowl appearances, the Patriots have scored zero first quarter points. Zero. Zero. That is insane to me zero first quarter points and they've won five of them (laughs) 
that just that that doesn't happen. That's yeah. you get out to a lead and you, and you burn the clock and you and you hold on. They they don't score points in the first quarter, which is really strange to me. And it's weird because normally when you're prepping for a game, and I, and I'm sure the Patriots do the same thing. Every team does this. You kind of have a set like 15, 20 plays that you do to start a game, where you you know what you're running, right? You're not exactly calling against the defense state. You have a plan of the first 10 plays you want to run because you've been game planning against their defense the whole the whole week, or maybe in this case, two weeks. The fact that the Patriots, with all the personnel and coaching talent and all that kind of stuff that they have, can't score in those situations in a Super Bowl is really strange to me. I don't know if it's a thing about them not being able to score. I think the first— well, okay. Literally are not able well, yes. to score. <laughs> okay, so I think the first couple years of the Patriots dynasty— um, they were more of a defensive team. Anybody remember that? Like, they they really relied heavily on what the defense can do. And Brady, at that point, was almost kind of like an Alex Smith, just a, a game manager. They weren't really asking him to throw the ball deep down the field or make plays with his arm or with his legs. They just, you know, just make sure we can move the ball slowly upfield. You know, and so the, they didn't really have to score a lot of points. And then you got to the Patriots to where that's what they were. It was the offensive juggernaut behind Brady's arm. And I think a lot of it is just like almost like boxers, just kind of feeling each other out in the first round, first couple rounds, just to see, you know, what you're being given and where the soft spots are. Because it, is it weird? But the first quarter, like you said, there's zero scoring. You come back in the second quarter or third quarter, that's when the Patriots start kind of really pouring it on because now they know what you're trying to do. They see where you're, where you're, um, where the edges are. They see how many you're trying to rush or how many you're dropping back into coverage. And that's when they come. That's when Belichick, you ever seen him on the sideline with that pen and paper, that pencil and paper, and he sees something, he just jots it down real fast. That That's all he's doing all game is seeing all that first half is just seeing, man, what are we being given and how can I exploit it? So going into this game today, what is the one thing, the one matchup, if you will, or it could be anything other than a matchup, that you are looking for the most in terms of being a determining factor in this game? Um, I want to see who's going to match up with Rob Gronkowski. <clears throat> Here's a guy who hasn't played, didn't play since the, I think it was the second quarter of the AFC Championship after he got knocked out by a concussion. And was in the protocol for two weeks. Almost. Was in the protocol, um, cleared, you know, and it looks like there's no injuries uh, for the Patriots. Or, I'm or the Eagles. Sure, or the Eagles. I think both were, were so totally fine. Both teams are, are healthy, which is great. That means you're Outside of the out-of-the-year guys like Carson yes. Wentz. Yeah. Yes, so... Um, but I'm looking to see who's how are they going to match up with with Gronkowski, and I'm also looking to see uh, if Nick Foles is going to be able to stand and deliver on the biggest stage. Now, this Patriots defense isn't great; they're 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 not. Let's just go ahead and be honest. And I'll be honest: this Patriots team, in comparison to the team that won last year or even the year prior to that, isn't as good. We thought they would be much better, but they're they're about the same. You know, the, the Brandon Cooks experiment has worked at certain points and really bailed the Patriots out. But if you look at the Pat's schedule this season, man, they lost the, the early in the season to what was an okay, pretty good Kansas City team. Um, Cam Newton came into Foxborough and beat them. Uh, somebody else, they, they almost lost to the Steelers, which was their one good team they could have played. And outside of that, they didn't play anybody. A rookie quarterback almost beat them at Gillette and Deshaun Watson this year. This Patriots squad outside of Brady has been just – Eh. And if Nick Foles can go out there and really man take advantage of this defense, I, man, I think it's going to be a long day for the Pats. I think the thing I'm looking for the most is the front seven of the Eagles. 
and if they can get pressure on Tom Brady. And I saw this this stat. Let me see if I can find it really quickly again. Where the Eagles have there it is. They have 15 takeaways, including 10 picks this season when pressuring opposing quarterbacks, which is second in the NFL. And when you look at the Patriots Super Bowls, the three games where Brady was pressured and hit the most were Giants, Giants, and Falcons last year. Now, lost both to the Giants. Insanely good comeback last year, but down 28 to 3 at half in well, late in the third quarter of that game. Um, so the Falcons were just beating Brady up and they couldn't do anything. The Eagles front seven is really good, really underrated. And I'm not sure if the Pats O-line is good enough to stop them. Now, last week or two weeks ago, I thought the Jags, who were Saxonville, were going to be able to hit Brady a lot, and they really didn't. Uh, Brady was upright in the pocket for most of the game, especially in the second half when they were able to retake the lead in that game. But I don't necessarily view the Patriots' offensive line as that good or good enough to to hold off the best pass-rushing teams in, in consecutive weeks. So that's going to be my big thing to watch out for is if the Eagles start getting pressure on Brady, then Philly's got every chance in the world to win this game. Now, like you're talking about with Nick Foles, oh, God, it's Tom Brady versus Nick Foles. Like, that's not a matchup you want to have if you're an Eagles fan. Now, I know Foles played well last week, or at least really efficiently last week, but that's not a matchup you want if you're an Eagles fan. You'd much rather have Carson Wentz out there after the season he had. But if the Pats' defense is bad, and we know it is, um, and they give up 24 points, and Brady's getting hit every second pass attempt, you think the you think the Eagles can win that game? I think so. Absolutely the Eagles can win that game. See, <laughs> We've talked so much, and I think people have been really kind of arrogant uh, this week about, and this is non-Patriot fans, uh, about what's going to happen in this game. Everybody thinks the passage is going to come in there and roll over this Eagles team. Man, and I say not so, because this team is incredibly talented. I think we have kind of forget how their season went this year. We've been overlooking the Eagles all year. Even 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 when Carson Wentz was there and we were raving about Wentz, we've been overlooking how good they were. Didn't they win like eight in a row, nine in a row, something stupid like at the beginning of the season? They were trending towards being like a 14-2 and team early on. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm trying to understand how everybody forgot. And then Nick Foles just came in uh, two weeks ago and had one of the best games of of his career. And this is after having, man, at least one really good season. But... I'm looking at this defensive line who looks like they're all healthy and they're all ready to go. And that front four from from Philadelphia. And then um, uh, just Malcolm Jenkins and, and Darby and McLeod and, and Fletcher company. Cox. Fletcher Cox. You know, you just you have so much talent on that team. And it's like, I don't understand how people are looking at this team going, oh, man, they're definitely going to go in there and get ran over by the Patriots. No, I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think this is going to be a really close game, and it's really going to come down to Nick Foles and that offense, man, not making a lot of mistakes. But I can say the same thing for the Patriots. It's going to come down to Brady not making mistakes against this really good defense. This defense is, we've talked so much all year about Minnesota and how great they are, and even though Denver struggled, how talented they are, and, of course, Saxonville and all the things they can do, and Philadelphia all the all the while has just been right there like, okay, not going to talk about us at all? Cool. Yeah. It, all year long, up until at least the, the Carson Wentz injury, I, Philadelphia looked like the best team. Like the, Everybody's talking about the Patriots because the Patriots have Bill Belichick. They have Tom Brady. They've been there, done that, five rings, looking for their sixth. 
NFL MVP, blah, 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 right? Just keeps going on. The fact of the matter is the defense that played better from start to finish, Philadelphia, the the offense that probably played better start to finish, Philadelphia, their only two games really where they had a lull this year were the last two games of the regular season. And then all of a sudden they picked it up in the playoffs and they looked just as deadly as they did with Carson Wentz. Now that's not to say they're the same team, but now they did get pretty lucky um, uh, against Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. They, you Julio know, Jones it, let that ball go right through his hands they, and it was the worst play. Call he would have been seen. out of bounds anyway after he came down. So it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, it, th- this is a team where it's, it's clicking. They, they have, the skill positions, like you look at that uh, wide receiver position, filthy. You look at the running back position, filthy. Run blocking, one of the best run blocking teams in the NFL. You can't run against this team, which, granted, that is definitely not the strong point of New England's offense. And, like, that's where it's going to be interesting to see that Tom Brady versus the secondary because at times the secondary's looked all world, and at times the secondary's given up big plays this year. So that, I think, is where the key is in this game. But I when you think about the mystique of new England, I think that's what's saying for everybody. They're going to win. It's the mystique. If you, if you just put these guys, you watch the film, but like week one, week one, week two, week two for both these teams, honestly, the Eagles are better. Yes. That's, that's where I was going with it. But the, the Patriots have Tom Brady. Yeah. And Bill Belichick. Although, (laughs) although Doug Peterson impressed. I love Doug Peterson. It's less about the coaches in this for me, although I think Belichick's still better. It's Tom Brady versus Nick Foles. That's where everyone's going, yeah, but the Patriots are going to win. I did find this out I was looking for, by the way. Uh, in the seven previous Super Bowls, Brady's been pressured 10 or more times and taken multiple sacks three times, the two Giants games and the Falcons game. Okay. That's a lot. And, and the Eagles are really good at getting pressure without sending a blitz because they rotate their defensive line so much. They have a lot, they've got like two full sets of defensive linemen that come into the game and they rotate them a lot. So they don't send the blitz all the time, and they get pressures really frequently. So full coverage and pressure, perfect matchup for beating a, a Tom Brady-led team. And also, man, the Patriots' defense is facing the the I guess the the best receiver they've played in the playoffs at this point, Alshon Jeffrey. You know, I mean, really, the Titans, meh, not really have a receiver Nothing, there. There's yeah. like the Jaguars. We thought. You know, there could be some receivers there, and we find out they're just kind of okay. Well, their main guy's been hurt all year in yeah. Allen Robinson. So. I, I I think that is still the most underrated wide receiver core in the league. I'll just throw that out there. Okay. But Alshon Jeffrey better than all of them. But, uh, but yeah, Alshon's, Alshon's a is, top five Alshon's guy when he's healthy. A, that's also going to be a matchup that I'm going to look to. You know, you can really pass the ball in the pats, no problem. It's just, it's, you thought there's Well, Gilmore. don't forget Zach Ertz, there one of the best go. tight ends Absolutely. in the league. So they, they've Nelson got, Aguilar. They've got some Nelson Aguilar. So they've got some problems that that secondary is going to be uh, in trouble today if they're not ready to play. All right. We'll spend some more time on the actual game, and we have our prediction segment coming up in the second hour. Do you want to take a quick break from it, though, as the Pro Football Hall of Fame class was announced this weekend? And there are some really, really, really big names in it. It's so a class. It's a great class. Let's talk about it next. But first, Jesse, Sports Center. Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Pro Football Hall of Fame class announced. 
Yes, yesterday? Was it yesterday? yesterday? Yes, sir. And it is quite good. Let's just go down down in alphabetical order here. Bobby Beathard, he is a GM. He is going in as an executive. Robert Brazil, linebacker from the 70s and 80s for the Oilers. Brian Dawkins, who most of us will know as it's it's been more recent, but uh, Eagles and Broncos safety uh, was really kind of leader of both of those teams when he got there. He was only on the Broncos for a couple of years, but he, he, was cold. he's an Eagle. And he made it to the NFC Championship four straight times when the Eagles did that in the early thousands. Including the Super Bowl. And that Super Bowl they lost when uh, T.O. came back after his broken leg. Jerry Kramer is a 50s and 60s offensive guard for the Packers. Ray Lewis, we all know, one of the best linebackers of all time for the Baltimore Ravens, also potentially a murderer, but we'll just uh, leave that out. Allegedly. Allegedly. You say that for legal purposes. Yes. Uh, Randy Moss, who is obviously one of the top three or top two receivers of all time. Terrell Owens, who is obviously one of the top two or top three receivers of all times, all time. And uh, Brian Urlacher, another top linebacker of all time. So we were looking in the break at some of the previous Pro Football Hall of Fame classes to see if this may be the best Hall of Fame class we have ever seen. And I'm going to go ahead and say it is uh, the second best. I think the one that you mentioned, Rashad, you said it was Joe Montana, Howie Long, local legend, Dave Wilcox. And who was the other one in that class? And Ronnie Lott. Oh, and Ronnie Lott. All got in the same class. That, to me, is really stinking good. Because you got Joe Montana in there, and that's going to raise that a bit. And you got Dave Wilcox. I mean, come on. Yeah, you got to love the Wilcoxes. Absolutely. Um, but this one is so good. You've got two of the top three receivers of all time in the same Hall of Fame class. You've got two of the top linebackers of all time in the same Hall of Fame class. And then Brian Dawkins, who's the worst of the players on here. And he's Brian Dawkins. So let's go. That's a great Hall of Fame class. No, that was a that was an awesome Hall of Fame class. And I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is the best one, though, man. I mean, you're talking about Brian Dawkins, who was – as far as strong safeties, I mean, how many on the list are, are really better than Brian Dawkins? He helped change I mean, the position a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, I really, as far as guys better than Brian Dawkins, um, Ronnie Lott, uh, um, Troy Palomalu, Ed Reed, the list is short after that. You know what I'm saying? I think Brian Dawkins' name goes right up there with 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 the best. But, um, man, T.O. is Terrell Owens. I mean, he invented the the – Really, the celebration. Not only that, like you talk about a more uh, charismatic and polarizing dude to play football, you know. But then on top of that, he was so cold. He there was one year he led the league in drops and led the league in touchdowns and receptions in the same season. Like, are are you serious? Like, I mean, the things this dude can do. I remember him coming back from that broken ankle uh, or broken foot like two weeks before the Super Bowl. <laughs> Screw in his ankle. Like three, I think it was three weeks before the Super Bowl and he came out and he went off that game. and had yeah. the game of his life in the Super Bowl and they just came away from like a just a few feet away from being able to move forward and, and, and win that game. So it was – Randy Moss is my favorite football player of all time. There's, <sighs> I mean, uh, that guy, the super freak. What he was do. quite good. I, uh, they have those moments. Like w when you think of a Hall of Famer, you have to have those moments where you're like – you can point to it and you're like, that was amazing, that was amazing, that was amazing. And you pointed to the one in Terrell, uh, Terrell Owens with – when he when he broke his ankle, had that screw put in, and he played, and everybody's like, "What are you doing?" You're and supposed to, he was supposed to get like three catches that oh, game. And he, he was amazing, you know. And so I'm looking at that, and then uh, Brian Urlacher. You talk about the, the consummate professional. You're talking about the, a person that um, just really defined what it means to play middle linebacker. He like, kept the Bears defense 
as the Bears' defense for the longest time. They fell off after he retired. Oh yeah, Brian Do- or excuse me, Brian Urlacher retired. The Be- the Bears went in the toilet. And that just shows you how important that somebody is to not just the franchise, but and we talk about it all the time. It's one of my favorite words on the show, the culture. And Brian Dawkins or Brian Urlacher, excuse me, carried a culture there in Chicago. And that's why I'm, I'm looking at this class going, I don't I don't know if they're I mean, arguably Ray I, Lewis, arguably the best linebacker ever. Right. Quite arguably. You can throw Brian Dawkins Super into Bowl the argument winner. as well. You know, T.O., like you said, man, number one receiver of all time. You said Dawkins again, by the way. Erlocker, I gotta stop doing that. Both names, Brian. <laughs> Erlocker, man. To man, maybe number two receiver all time. You can make the exact no, same three. argument. Number I, three, us, man. You can make the argument that he's number two, but you can I, make that for Randy Moss too. That's, I, right. that's it's, the thing. It's yeah. Randy Moss. It's. I mean, the number one. I heard this on primetime years ago, and they talked about man. The number one receiver is Jerry Rice. Who's number two? Like that. That's where the arguments that you know really starts, and it could be Randy Moss, but it also could be T.O. And neither person would be wrong that was making that argument. That's I, the whole part. I. I mean, it's just one of those things where you, um, Randy Moss. It's kind of interesting. They both have a kind of like the same story. Like, how did they affect their teams? Because they both played on multiple teams, and you're like, well, think about what Randy Moss did for that New England team. Like that was. That was like the greatest offense of all time. You know, they were they went eighteen and zero, almost nineteen and zero, like only one year. Only because Brady broke his leg first play of the next year. And here's here's the thing: if you want to go purely statistical about this, uh, Randy Moss second in touchdown receptions, To third in touchdown receptions, Randy Moss eight years of twelve hundred yards receiving, Terrell Owens five years of twelve hundred yards receiving. However. T.O. is second all-time in receiving yards behind Jerry Rice. But I think just by looking at the stats, Randy Moss is number two. They're close. Yeah, it's, I'm not it's, saying it's, no, like it's a negative. And it's, it's super just, close. You, and you look at really what they were able to do with finally – neither of them had great quarterbacks in their career. I mean, Brady I mean Brady had the one year with Moss, and they broke every record. T.O. had Donovan McNabb. T.O. had Donovan McNabb. They got to the Super Bowl. So the one time they had legit quarterbacks, they were able to show to showcase their talent like on, on the biggest stage. Not to say no disrespect well, to have, Jeff Garcia. Didn't he have Steve, <laughs> no, Steve Young about to go there. No disrespect to, to young Tony Romo. Wait, wait, you know? didn't he have Steve Young too for a bit? He had Steve Young for a year. Just one year? Yeah. Okay. And he had Jerry Rice for a year, you know, so. Is it really just one year? God. I, think it was I feel just like one Steve year. Young played longer than 97, but I could be wrong. Um yeah, I, look, you're right. This this class is bananas, and it feels like we're getting better and better classes these last few years too Absolutely. of just top players that are going in. And I mean, we've been seeing football's matured so much in terms of how the positions have changed and how good these players are that I think you're you're going to start seeing really good classes almost every year. But seeing four of the greats like this and Brian Dawkins, yeah, um, and I think it's going to be one of those things because these players are going to be a lot more familiar to us as we kind of grew up with them and stuff. So when we see these guys go in, we're going to know exactly. It's hard for me to tell you how good Bob Brown, the tackle was that went into the hall of fame in 2004. Like I have no idea. Yeah. I could tell you. Well, I'll, I'll say this here is a Gil Brandt, longtime executive, currently NFL network guy had his list just this year of the top strong safeties of all time. Uh, there's some guys you'll never heard of. Number one's Emlyn Tunnel. I don't know who that is. Um, Troy Palomalu, number two, Ken Houston, number three, Ed Reed, number four, Ronnie Lott, number five, Cliff Harris. That Cliff Harris? No. no <laughs> Cliff I'm Harris. Saying, wait, what? From the Cowboys in the 70s, number six. Kenny Easley, number seven. Donnie Shell, number eight. Eric Berry. Eric Berry. Number nine. Really? Steve all Atwater. Time. Of all time. Really? Steve Atwater, number 10. Brian Dawkins, number 11. So, 11th think, best strong safety of all time. I think Brian Dawkins is better than Eric Berry. 
I mean, Eric Berry's it's really again, It's just one man's opinion, but yeah. I, I do trust Gilbrandt's opinion. Yeah, kind of. Eric Berry, Brian Dawkins both played for Andy Reid too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's there's a little connection there, but I. I don't know. I, it's hard just because you think about, you know, typically, you know, there's several guys on multiple Hall of Fame classes where it's like, oh, finally, after like 10 years, they finally got in. This is like riddled with guys that I feel like we just saw playing in the NFL. It, which just, means it feels are, very, very yeah, recent. These it? are very recent NFL players, which means th- these are guys that are like getting in the first, second, third ballots. Like Terrell Owens, like. He, he should, should have been in his. He first should have ballot. been already. Yeah, like he's a. I think this first is on purpose, guy. though. I think this is on purpose, though. I think they wanted to have this class with these people oh, and yes. everything at this time. I think that was kind of low key. It's a sexy class, man. This is, and that's why I think they did it. This is, I mean, this is the reason people are going to watch these, this Hall of Fame, uh, their speeches and everything. I want to see what To is going to say. Mm, me wanna, too. You know what I'm saying? I want to know who who. Did Randy you Moss see? Going to think. Do you see To on Twitter? He. Uh, uh, Jason Whitlock, who I know you love so much. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Uh, and I, I'm kidding. He hates Jason Whitlock. Can't stand him or, or his fedora. Jason Whitlock said, like, congrats to you. I haven't always liked you as a person, but you definitely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And Tia responded, kick rocks. Like, he's on an FU tour now of all the people who have been against him. Because he's, of course, deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Just because he's not likable all the time doesn't mean he shouldn't be. It's a not Hall the of Hall of Like. It's the Hall of Fame. Like you don't have to like me. You don't. We don't have to be buds. How come owners and GMs get to be a holes, and that's cool? They're just red asses, and they can go to the Hall of Fame. We never say anything about it. But players, when they don't like Bill Parcells, one of the biggest a holes of all time. When they don't like the media or whatever, and they, they're Bill Belichick does not can't stand the media, and they yet and still, man. No, nobody, nobody's coming down on his head. So it's so strange to me. All right. Uh, let's uh, take a break. Coming up next, a little NFL randoms. There's some stuff going on. And I also saw a tweet from uh, ESPN's Diana Rossini, which is quite interesting to me. So we'll bring that up. Kirk Cousins is, well, it's not Kirk Cousins. The Redskins are dumb. And what th- this report and this thought process is one of the dumbest things I think I've heard in a long time in, in football. And that includes the Browns. And, uh, Maybe a little bit more. So we'll talk about that next and then get back into the Super Bowl at the 10 o'clock hour. This is Football Sunday on Zafan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. You've heard it in Jesse's update a couple of times. In what might be the dumbest move possible, the Washington Redskins, according to Adam Schefter, who is, of course, right, will consider placing once again their franchise tag on Kirk Cousins so they can trade him and recoup some of the compensation they are sending to the Chiefs for Alex Smith. Uh, Even just reading that out loud makes me speechless. This is one of the dumbest ideas I have ever seen. Do you know why? Because what team in their right mind would trade for a quarterback who is on a one-year $35 million contract? What team? That eliminates the entire pool of teams except for maybe one, the Browns, who have most salary cap ever. They've got like $90 million of salary cap. So, of course, they, they could stomach. They, they did a freaking salary dump trade for Brock Osweiler because they could stomach taking salary. So they could they could do that trade, sure. And, and the Browns are interested in Kirk Cousins. But that limits the Redskins to one team 
who they could do a trade with. One. One. That limits Kirk Cousins to one team that, they, that he could go to. You think Kirk Cousins is going to accept another franchise tag when he's about to – he's set to make bank. Here's a question He's for set you. to set the, the quarterback market in free agency with whatever team he chooses. He's set to do that. And you think he's going to accept another one-year franchise tag deal? Granted, a lot of money. Another one-year deal with the Redskins after question. all that they've pulled with him? No here's a, way. Here's a better question. Do you think Washington gives a damn? No. They don't care about him making his well, money. Well, it doesn't matter. They because don't care about none of that stuff. They care about They could get stuck with a $35 million contract when they're already paying Alex Smith gargantuan amounts of money. I, I think, man, I, I don't know. There's something more to this, man. I think Kirk Cousins... Man, he slept with somebody's wife, or he did something because there's this is this you is like become, that you no, like that no because this has become incredibly intentional. Like you know the, the the hate that's coming this way is 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 crazy at this point. So you didn't want him. You've been vocal for the past three years about the fact that you know Kirk Cousins is just not the quarterback of the future for Washington. But we're going to franchise you anyway and give you, I think it was $28 million the first time they, they franchised them. Something it goes like a little that. bit less than that, yeah. yeah. It goes up pretty big each year. You're still not the guy, even though you got us the playoffs and you're doing all these things, you're, we still want more. We're going to let you go, but only after we franchise, franchise tag you for the second time. What are you doing? Like well, so you this don't. This would be the third time. You, yeah, no, but that was so that's he's yeah. been franchise tag twice. And so now you're like, you still don't want to be with me. But yet you're preventing me. This is a girlfriend who wants to break up with you, but won't let you date anybody else. Like, bro, move on. Like, we're we're good. You you've clearly said you don't want me. This isn't gonna work out in the future. All we do is fight. No matter how good to how much good I do, you never see that. You want let hey, just let me go. That's why I don't understand why they're trying to hold on so close to Kirk Cousins, especially when you just traded. For a quarterback. And signed into a five-year deal. signed into a five-year extension. Like, what are you doing? And the quarterback was Alex Smith. It wasn't even somebody who was better than Kirk Cousins. So. $17 million guaranteed to Smith. He's, he's going to be making over $20 million. Um, you have basically, here are your suitors wow. based on current cap spaces to who you could feasibly trade it trade him to. Okay. San Francisco. Don't need number him. one with a, a 114 million cap space. Yep, they don't need him. Houston Texans. Oh, wait a minute. They don't need him either. They got Deshaun Watson. You got Cleveland Browns at the third. So obviously that could work. there's yep. your number one suitor. Indianapolis Colts. Don't mm, need him. Don't need him. They, they, they can use that on their offensive line and be in a really good place. The New York Jets. Uh, there's another one at 77 million in cap space. So that's a feasible spot for them. That's half their salary cap. That's though, half and they their need cap a lot salary. Yep. On that team. Tampa Bay Bucks. Don't, don't need them. them. Minnesota Vikings eh, at 56 million. Could, so that would be, them, but that'd be three quarters of their, that would be, yep. amount, or their salary. Amount. So you're using a very large chunk and not to mention they've, they've already shown they like uh case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, even um, uh, Kyle Slaughter, um, who they kept on the roster there for the NFC championship game for four quarterbacks on their roster. So, like, they already have a guy they like, so he's not going to Minnesota either. So you literally have one suitor. You got the Browns. You got the Browns. That's it. So, and look, the Browns are a team that could make it work. I'm not discrediting that at all. But to make that risk of, A, having Kirk Cousins not accept the franchise tag, and B, not being able to work out a deal that is fair to you with the Browns, the risk of that is so high. Why would you do that? You, you've already decided that Alex Smith is the quarterback of your future, right? What? 
let Kirk go. It's just to hang on to him so nobody else can either get him. They can't compete compete against him. It's childish. It's You're petty, the one who decided to trade what you also, gave to them for for Alex Smith. You decided coming, to give up your best cornerback in, in your on your team for Alex Smith. Also coming from the team that refuses to change its racist name. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things that, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surprised about anything that Washington does at this point. Everything they've done to this point has shown that you, it, it, it seems just kind of, this is petty. There's, there's no other word that you can use except for petty. So in the, in the one week you've traded your, you traded for a new quarterback, you've got said quarterback in, you've given them an extension for five years. Better than what you offered. Better than what you, you never even offered your quarterback an extension at any point. Oh yeah, you, they did, but it was, it was like 20 million less guaranteed yeah, they, than they Alex Smith. Them. So you lowballed somebody who is, you're clearly, this guy is clearly better than. And in his couple of years, his sample size of NFL starting, you know, he has been a better quarterback than Alex Smith has been. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Yeah. I would say I would say they are very similar quarterbacks in terms of probably their ceiling or not their ceiling, where they are right now. I think Kirk Cousins has a higher ceiling because A, he's in his prime. He's twenty eight, right? And Alex Smith's already thirty something. So this is San Francisco. This is San Francisco all of a sudden signing Blake Bortles and giving him an extension. And saying, you know, we're we're gonna see if this whole Garoppolo thing works out. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? You've got your guy right there. Like, why why would you do? I guess, man. I, I'm not gonna try to understand what the. Well, there's what, nothing to understand. They're being yeah, dumb. What what what's Snyder's thing? It's about. a dumb move. Yeah, I'm not even it, trying. To it really is, it. and it's, it's if I'm Alex Smith, I'm probably going. Well, what did I do agreeing to an extension with this team? Because uh, it, I, I feel like players in general should be like thinking this exactly the way that Rashad's saying that this is a really petty move. Like it, you know what? You didn't get the compensation that you wanted. Well, maybe you should have acted sooner on this, this, maybe this, make better deals. Like, I mean, this storyline hasn't changed for two years. So why, why didn't they either like, if they knew they were going to just tag him again, or they were going to make another move, this, this relationship was over. If you really wanted compensation, you should have moved earlier. Like, you get a third round pick because you didn't do anything because you're stupid. Yep. Like that's your stupid. If I'm, if I'm like, Kirk Cousins, I'm penalty. Not, I'm you would have gotten a first round pick the first year for him. Yeah, you you think about you could have got a first round pick for him this year. You probably could have traded. I guarantee you, you could have gotten one of Cleveland's first round picks this year, and they would have been like rock on. Now it's like oh, thirty five million dollars for a quarterback for one year. That's a lot, I mean, but. Cleveland can afford it. I'm doing the Kaepernick and taking a knee on the season if I'm Kirk Cousins. I'm and he good. could probably afford to do that, too, I'm especially good. with the amount of guaranteed money he's made the last two years if he really wants to stick it to him. And, and this text is right. Rashad is the only explanation. This is as personal as it can be. It makes no business or, or strategic sense. I think the fact that the only team that could acquire him is the Browns is even more of a personal thing. Like, look, if, you hate, that. if you hate us this much, we're going to yeah, go we're, we're gonna, we just go play for the Browns. Yeah. We'll see who you hate more after this season. The Browns are us. You know that's that's super petty and super personal. It's it's dumb. It, it's it's pretty infuriating to be honest. And I, I honestly don't really care about any of this in terms of like my team and my rooting interests. Although I'd like Kirk Cousins to go to my team in the Broncos. Um, this is just, it. Fr it's frustrating because it's just petty. And, and petty people bother me. It's like, don't do those things. Just let it go. For no reason. Let that man go make his money. You didn't want to pay him. Just let him go get paid. It's all good. Exactly. All right. Uh, oh, I did want to leave you with this. And we didn't get to all the randoms I wanted. We spent a whole segment on Kirk Cousins. But this is from Diana Rossini, ESPN reporter. I'm just going to read the tweet verbatim. It's not exactly the most well-worded tweet. But right now on ESPN NFL Countdown, it's brought to light about what many in the league have been hearing 
which this game could possibly be both Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's final games. Both could be hanging it up. Post game could be incredible tonight if this becomes the truth. She later on says this was not a report. It is just the guys on the show were talking about the rumors and the things that have been heard around the league. So there's nothing official about it, but very interesting. Very interesting that that is the scuttlebutt around the league that both of those guys could be hanging it up after this year uh, win. I mean, or, or loss, I imagine, based what, on that. But, but wasn't that the conversation last year after they won? Like, this is it. Brady and Belichick could just hang it up. It's five. You know, nobody's got to five before. Like, this is, at this point, they're more than uncharted territory. They're in a, you know, a land that nobody's ever seen before. This is, you know, this isn't, they hey, have an opportunity to do something that will never be done again just, in the NFL. Just throwing it out there. Hey. So. It's, it was being discussed on NFL Countdown. I'm not watching that. I'm watching the Blazers. But Brady, perhaps. Belichick, I just don't see him wanting to do anything else but do football. Like, I mean, after watching that 30 for 30, um, that's just, he's the same guy now that he was back in 80, 84 and 86 with the, the, the Giants. Like, I don't see him doing anything else but being a football coach. I don't see him wanting to go fishing or crocheting something at home or building a damn wall. I see him coaching football uh for it seemingly for the New England Patriots next year. All right, coming up next. Our cousins of the Patriots. We uh, For the next two segments, we will get back into the Super Bowl. I do want to do a little fun with prop bets, though. That's coming up next. And I will also do our final official prediction segment at 10.15. This is Football Sunday on The Fan. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.